Today's show is brought to you by Lightning Pod. If you have a podcast, you know that it's a lot of work. But Lightning Pod can help. We've been working with their founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year now, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. So if you're starting a new podcast or you want to make your existing podcast better, you should get in touch with Eric. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. Tony Fidel's departure, what happens now with Nest, my speculation about Apple and the visual interface, and a conversation with Nick Weaver of Eero, all on this week's Smart Home Show. Hey everyone, this is Mike Wolf. Welcome to the Smart Home Show. It's Thursday, almost a full week after Tony Fidel of Nest dropped the bomb, wrote the post on the Nest blog that he was leaving the Nest. And with that one post, he shook the foundations of the Smart Home world and I think the broader tech world. Tony Fidel is an iconic guy in the tech world. You don't create the iPod and then the Nest thermostat uh, aren't responsible for those two kind of products and not necessarily be a fairly iconic guy. But as we have documented here and others have written about, he he reached a difficult time in his tenure over the past 12 months or so, or even a little bit longer. There were some issues, some some reporting went on from folks like the information. And the issue with them shipping products, getting products out the door, that was something we've been talking about for well over a year now, became uh, something that was part of, of the fodder of these posts. People started to ask why, what was happening. And so... People looked at the dysfunction inside Ness, and there was some dysfunction. And ultimately, it looks like Fidel's management style, the way he manages uh, the business, probably wasn't a great fit for Google in retrospect. You know, they, they paid $3 billion for Nest. They bought this company that was hitting out of the park with the, their first product, the Nest thermostat. And ultimately, once they became part of Nest, and three years later, if you look back, they didn't ship a whole lot of products. People people ask why. And like I said, as part of this dysfunction, part of the, that was a big part of the problem. Uh, there ultimately became a fairly to- became what was a fairly toxic environment within Nest. And so that ultimately became a problem. And so uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about, I, I wrote about this at, at my website at, at Next Market. You can go to smarthomeweekly.net and read the posts. But I, I, you know, this is, uh, we, we talked about it, but I really looked more forward and what was going to happen under the new executive Marwan Fawaz. By the way, I hope I'm getting that right. Marwan, if you listen to the podcast or any other nesters listen to the podcast and I'm getting that wrong, please let me know. Uh, tweet at me, uh, email me. Uh, I'm just pronouncing it phonetically. Hopefully I'm not butchering it. So, but the two posts I wrote were basically looking at what would happen under, under Marwan's watch, Marwan Fawaz's watch with Nest, as well as speculating whether or not they would sell Nest. Those are kind of the two major posts I wrote. I want to talk very briefly about those and then get to our guest because we do have a guest for the podcast today, Nick Weaver, who is the CEO of Eero, a company that has a company that has rethought a way to do Wi-Fi in the home. They're using a mesh networking system, not necessarily relying on a single point of failure as traditionally routers have done. If you look at the traditional routers and the mindset of router manufacturers is add more and more uh, antennas to these devices at ever more powerful, uh, silicon, uh, more powerful radios that extend the reach using things like MIMO technology. But, um, Eero rethought the way you can do Wi-Fi in the home. And so I think it's an interest, interesting approach. I think Wi-Fi is interesting again within the smart home 
within the connected home. And so we had this conversation. So stay tuned for that. But first, let's get to and talk very briefly about Marwan Fawaz and where Ness may go under his watch. The first thing you notice about Fawaz's resume is he actually spent his most recent time at ADT, acting as an advisor to the board, a technology advisor. If you haven't been following uh, the saga of ADT, the biggest home security provider out there, really kind of the Comcast of home security, they've really tried to reinvent themselves for the past three years. And by part of the reason they've done that, or the part of the way they've done that is by hiring a lot of cable executives, a lot of pay TV executives. They've uh, brought a lot of those on. And to that end, they've really kind of reshaped their business a little bit. Um, they came out with this technology, this product called Canopy, which is really home security as a service, really targeted at third-party hardware manufacturers, uh, companies that can use this security service in their DIY self-installable hardware, a vastly different approach, a mile away from kind of the old-school ADT model and mindset. So they've really kind of made some leaps forward. So Fawaz has been there since around 2014, advising them, early 2014, advising them on this uh, transition, not necessarily running the day-to-day, but uh, certainly advising from a high-level strategic perspective. Before that, he was actually running the Motorola home division of Motorola Mobility, which was acquired by none other than Google. So he actually has worked for Google before. He's kind of come back to the nest, if you will, uh, to belabor uh, the puns a little bit. Um and so he, he's proven himself that he can work within the comfy confines of, of Google, which I think can be a challenging environment for some executives, particularly if you're ingrained, your, your style's been ingrained by a poor, poor opposite style, maybe the Apple style. He worked at, he worked at Motorola Home. Ultimately, they sold that off to Eris. A lot of people think because he was at Motorola Home and helped them sell it, uh, to Eris as part of uh, Google's selling of that asset. That he may be coming back to Nest to do the same. I write in the post uh, about whether or not they will sell Nest. I think that they're not going to. I feel like uh, they're going to give Nest another shot. I feel like they probably believe Fidel was part of the issue because there was kind of this uh, inherently conflicting styles of management. And I think now that they brought they brought on their kind of handpicked successor, I think they're going to give everything another shot. And part of the, what they think they're going to do is transition Nest to a company that sells hardware and focuses on paid consumer services. Now there's been a lot of rumors out there about them getting into home security and you know, the information has had some good reporting. Uh, I've kind of heard lots of hints. They've, the first hint I saw was uh, I think over a year ago, they actually had someone had surfaced a patent that Google had filed around neighborhood based home security really kind of raised uh, the first uh, alert to me that they may be on to this idea uh, there's other things and whispers I've heard, but then you you saw that they acquired also Dropcam, which had been working on a home security product uh, built around Bluetooth tabs and Bluetooth sensors at the perimeter. When they acquired Dropcam, they they killed that product, so it made you wonder whether or not they're going to do their own product there. And then ultimately, uh, the rumors started flowing in the last three months about them coming out with a home security product, kind of in conjunction with the the stories of the dysfunction within Nest. But I believe that they're going to come out with something. I think they're going to try and start shipping product, the stuff that they've had on the whiteboard and, and been in development. I think they're going to try and get out the door. I think that they're going to try and focus on uh, beginning uh, an entry into paid consumer services. And if you look at the the DIY self-installable home security market, there's some pioneers out there, guys like Simply Safe 
and others that have been focused on self-installable DIY home security. There's others like FrontPoint are doing some interesting things using Warm.com's infrastructure and, and cloud services. And certainly part of the ADT revamp was creating Canopy, which will, would allow companies like LG to create hardware, home security appliances that can, you can self-install, could be a month-to-month type of subscription, certainly a lower cost. I think that Fawaz has been looking at this. He probably will come in and, and try to create a paid service. I don't think that uh, Google would do a free home security product. I think that companies in the smart home and the broader IoT space are trying to transition from just the one-time hardware sale. I know that a lot of folks think and kind of the, the feeling in the broader connected and IoT space has been, okay, data is the new oil. Let's just monetize for data insights and services. And this is Google we're talking about, but kind of the, the probably the biggest data company in the world probably holds more data about you and I than anyone else. I think they're going going to go into paid consumer services. Uh, they may have a, a freemium tier, a pr- kind of a freemium model where you get their their connected security and you don't pay any subscription for kind of a limited, uh, kind of a, a very limited offering. But then they're going to try to unlock a, a rich premium experience uh, using paid consumer services. So I think that's kind of, if I were to, if I were a betting man, that's what I would bet they would do. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully we'll know more soon. Uh, you can read more about my about my thoughts and insights about this at smarthomeweekly.net, as I said. Uh, I Hopefully I'm going to have another podcast tomorrow. Hope, hopefully scheduling a guest, we're going to talk about what's going to happen at Apple's developer conference next week. I also wrote a post over at smarthomeweekly.net about my thoughts that I think Apple will be probably launching something, some sort of answer to Amazon Echo. But instead of making this thing all about like a voice interface, which I think they will have, I think they'll have Siri in this thing. I think that they're also going to possibly, quite possibly, have a camera on here. There's been rumors. CNET had a, a report that there's going to be a camera on this thing uh, that maybe can do some facial recognition. My belief is if they have a camera on this, they may really try to make this thing as much a visual interface as a, a voice interface. And what I mean by visual interface is the ability to obviously do motion, uh, motion and gesture control, much like we think of when we think of the Connect, but also things like like facial recognition, but also you know, the ability to set into motion contextual experiences or scenes or whatever based on who the person is, the information that this device is gathering. You know, a lot of people don't really know this, but Apple's quietly been acquiring companies that have machine vision expertise and AI. Uh, there's a couple of them. Perceptio is one of them. They acquired those guys, I believe, uh, well over a year ago or probably close to a year ago. Uh, there's another company they acquired, I believe, I believe at the beginning of the year, uh, a motion that recognizes, does some level of face recognition and also can recognize actual emotion. So imagine Apple creating this thing that recognizes how you feel and kind of sets into motion scenes based on that. Might be kind of creepy, but if there's a company that can make this thing seem not quite creepy and bring in its legions of fans to kind of accept a new technology like this, probably Apple. I mean, maybe Nintendo, if Nintendo's heyday could do something like this, but I think really Apple's the only one. I think Google would creep people out. Probably why Google has been uh, not doing quite as well with the cameras inside the home as uh, Dropcam was as an independent company, I think, because people are creeped out by by Google gathering all sorts of data around them. I don't think they're as creeped out about Apple. So if Apple comes out with a device next week that is a smart home hub, smart home control interface, it probably will have Siri. I think it will have a camera on it. Or, and if certainly if it does have a camera on it, I think they're going to 
take some of these technologies they've acquired and been working on and maybe try to differentiate themselves a little bit from from uh, the Amazon Echo and the Google Home because those guys have created interesting devices largely focused on the voice interface. Apple is an, still an innovative company. I think they've kind of uh, maybe stagnated a little bit here in the last year or two, but I still think at their heart they're an innovative, innovative company. So mark my word, uh, if they do come out with something like this, you heard it here first, uh, the visual interface from Apple. We'll see what happens. All right, folks, time for my interview with Nick Weaver. I hope you enjoy this. If you haven't already subscribed, which you probably have, just find us on iTunes or technology.fm or any podcast space. Subscribe to the Smart Home Show. Oh, yeah. I actually did an interview with Mark Cuban at my other pod, one of my other podcasts called The Next Market Podcast. If you want to hear me talk to Mark Cuban about lots of stuff, uh, you can find The Next Market Podcast uh, on iTunes and other places as well. All right, folks, that's it. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, well, I'm glad to have Nick Weaver, the CEO of Eero. Uh, how you doing, Nick? Great. Um, good to talk to you today. Yeah, you guys have made a name for yourself with uh, your mesh Wi-Fi technology. Um, I've been talking and writing about how the router needs to be reinvented. You guys have kind of complete, gone a completely different route and said, hey, let's just rethink the way we're doing Wi-Fi in the home. Yeah, that's that's really been our approach, um, especially as all these devices have been coming online in our homes and also the amount of streaming content that uh, the average American is now consuming. We really wanted to rethink, you know, how do we deploy connectivity throughout the home? And and the key is instead of having, you know, one big router in the corner of your house, uh, we've, we've developed this really simple and easy-to-use whole home Wi-Fi system. And so the key is you have multiple units uh, that you plug in everywhere, and the end result is you get one really fast, really reliable network that connects to all your devices and makes sure that you can stream content uh, in any room of your home. And so let's talk about the, the technology in particular. It works off a mesh network. Um, you know, I've used Wi-Fi repeaters. I've used HomePlug, which actually works better a lot of times than Wi-Fi. Um, you guys basically went back to the drawing board, so let's do mesh Wi-Fi. Did you guys architect your own mesh, or did you use some sort of like standardized, uh, like some chipset out there? How did you get to your technology? Yeah, so I, I think the key the key with mesh is uh, it's just looking at what are the available connections I have within my network. So you know, you brought up uh, some people have power line, um, very few people uh, have Ethernet, uh, and then of course there's always uh, available wireless connections. And so what we do is uh, with each Eero is we look for what are the available connections to connect this Eero to the rest of the network. Um, is there a connection over Wi-Fi? Is there a connection over Ethernet? Um, or is there some other connection for the devices to all communicate together? And then the really hard challenge is, okay, I'm trying to stream a, a video in my living room. These are all the different ways I can get that information or that data through my home. Um, and then we help decide, hey, what's the fastest and most reliable path for data to flow through your home? You know, it's we've seen... A few companies use mesh Wi-Fi in, in the home. I think Sonos really, in my mind, is maybe the first that I know of for a mass deployed product. But we haven't really seen anyone who provides the the Wi-Fi infrastructure, at least any of the big guys, say, let's use mesh. Why is that? Well, it, it, it all comes down to uh, engineering and focus. Um, and so the way uh, a typical home networking uh, vendor builds their products is they take the, the base silicon, um, so the Wi-Fi radios, they take some pretty basic software 
um, and uh, and pull it all together. And it's really the same software that's been running these you know routers in our homes for well over the you know last decade. Um, and so what we had to do, similar to what Sonos did many years ago, is we had to from the ground up build our own. Um, our own mesh protocols and, and design it so that this, this system um, works together um, and provides, you know, one um, great experience for customers. Yeah. And it seems like the approach in the router space, the home router space is, okay, we have this kind of fairly uh, old stack for software, but we're going to keep taking the, the silicon and the advancements by the, the silicon guys and just throw more in there, whether that's, you know, the MIMO advances, whether that's just going to, the next generation of, of, of Wi-Fi, but I just still, for me, it perplexes me why they didn't necessarily say, let's try an entirely new approach. Yeah, and it, part of it there is um, for such a long time, the number of devices in our homes um, were so few, and uh, the bandwidth requirements of our homes were fairly low. So you could have one router uh, and and cover a, uh, cover a home. And then a few things happened. One, you know, so many people have cut the cord and are now streaming video um, on their iPads and uh, TVs and everything's going over the Internet. And then two, um, devices are starting to go in every room. And and lastly, and I think this is the, the thing that um, uh, doesn't stand out quite as much, but our Internet connection speeds have gotten significantly faster and more reliable. So it used to be the connections into our homes were you know, five megabits a second. And so you could put one router in the corner of your house and get that connection, you know, up in your bedroom. But now when our internet connection speeds are 50 megabits a second or 200 megabits a second, um, the only way to really deliver that type of speed and reliability is with more than one uh, unit broadcasting um, the, the Wi-Fi signal in your home. Um, and, and so that's we, you know, we re-architected the system and and used that as a core assumption that our connection speeds were going to continue to increase and the bandwidth demands in our home were just going to go up and up and up. And that required us to um, redesign and redevelop uh, a lot of the core technology to provide, you know, great connectivity in every corner of uh, people's homes. Yeah, the the bottleneck was, as you said, on the access side, on the modem side. Um, but as we've seen, uh, you know, Comcast take kind of the throttles off and, you know, responding to guys like Fios, the, the bottleneck now has been the home network, and at least in the last few years, and that's what you guys are essentially responding to. Absolutely. So, you know, when you look at, when you look at Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi is just a radio wave. It's like light and sound. And so the further away you get from the source... Um, the, the slower it'll be, and also um, uh, it, it'll, it'll get less reliable. And so that's where, you know, now we've gotten to a point where our incoming connection speeds from our providers have gotten sufficiently fast enough that if you want to get that full speed everywhere in your home, you need to have more units um, just plugged in everywhere to, to make sure you're distributing that signal in a, you know, much more uniform uh, and, a, a, and, a, and a more uniform way. I do have a little hope. It seems like some of the big guys, and by that I mean guys like Google, Google are rethinking the hub. They've kind of like said, hey, there's this thing that everyone has in their home, this key piece of like home uh, infrastructure that we can rethink. So they've created the OnHub. Um, so I, I have some hope that we're going to see some of the big guys maybe move down this path of like, okay, maybe it's not just the router we need to rethink, but we need to just rethink entirely 
Wi-Fi infrastructure because they're doing it definitely, definitely for other things like smart home. Like they're giving that a new kind of new thinking about how they can reshape that. Uh, now they need to do it for Wi-Fi. Yeah, but again, um, you know, the vast majority of people are are trying to solve this coverage problem. Um, and you're never going to be able to do that with just one device. And so the key is right, right, right. you have to have a system um, to, to blanket your home with fast connectivity. Um, and we have the, the best and only product on the market today um, to uh, you know provide that experience to our customers. You know, if I look in the future, one of the things I can envision is definitely distributed um, Wi-Fi mesh access points. Um, and that at first, at first that comes in the flavor of what you guys are trying to do, which is basically different, uh, different repeaters or whatever you want to call them. But at some point, do they go into the homes, uh, I guess, infrastructure, whether that's something like light switches or whatever. I mean, does the Wi-Fi start to just be built into the fabric of the home? You know, that's, that's, uh, that would be an interesting route. Um, I think, you know, one of the, one of the, you know, big challenges you have is like think about the duty cycle uh, or the lifetime of a yeah. of a typical light switch like it could be five years 10 years 30 years uh or even more and um and then when, when you look at how quickly wireless technologies evolve um it, it, you know it happens at a much faster cadence um and so you do need some level of flexibility to be able to like quickly replace units um and uh and so when it's built into the home it's actually pretty challenging um, so, you know, from that perspective, that's why we invested so much in, um, in this mesh, mesh technology, because it allows people to lay these devices out anywhere they want in their home. And there's a huge amount of flexibility. Um, and so you're not, you know, forcing people to, um, plug them into, uh, you know, ethernet ports here or, um, you know, other specific locations of the home, people can kind of lay them out wherever there's power. And uh, and it allows you to have a much more flexible system that's that's really easy to upgrade um, as we get more and more advances in, in wireless connectivity. I think a key part of the discussion when you talk about home broadband distribution continue will continue to probably be at some level the service provider. So you know today they're used to just having a guy roll in. You know, it's happened to my house. He puts his Comcast modem in. He, he kind of tweaks the antennas on the Wi-Fi. Then he leaves. I've retrofitted with a better router. But have you given thought to or even had conversations with the service providers? And is there interest in maybe them coming out and deploying mesh networking and distributing the home, blanketing the, tech, the home with technology like we're talking about? Yeah, I think on the, you know, on ISP front to like give uh, credit where credit is definitely due is our, you know, our speeds have improved dramatically. And so when you look at the last mile problems that we've, you know, experienced over the last five, 10 years, um, in, you know, major markets, you now have access to connections that are, you know, 50 to 200 even greater, um, in term megabits per second in terms of, um, speed. And they're really reliable. Um, and, and so to your point, yes, the, you know, now a huge pain point is how do I deliver on the last foot? How do I get that, you know, get that speed and coverage everywhere in their home? Um, and, uh, today's experience of, you know, just getting that one box that's an integrated modem and router, um, that's just not going to call, uh, that's not going to solve the coverage issues and the bandwidth demands, um, that people have, uh, in every room of their home. And so, uh, yes, like there's there's absolutely an opportunity for um, for for uh, for us to partner and and make sure um, that people have great connectivity regardless of their ISP. 
Now you don't have to name names, but do you have you had service providers reach out to you, or you reach out to them? So uh, you know, just universally, like poor coverage is uh, probably one of the biggest pain points that um, operators face today. Um, so it, it's been uh, it's been pr- pretty exciting. Okay, we'll take we'll take the we'll, we'll read the tea leaves there, I guess. On that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, talk about like how you see Eero fitting within the smart home. This is you know we're talking on the smart home show. I look a lot at home Wi-Fi because I think it's a critical, almost like the backbone of the smart home. But like when you think about the broader smart home and distributed sensors, maybe other low low power wireless technologies, whether that's Bluetooth or Zigbee Z Wave, how do you see you guys fitting into that equation? Yeah, I, I think you uh, you know hit the nail on the head in terms of like uh, talking about Wi-Fi and the network as the backbone. Um, and really, we look at Eero as you know uh, it's it's the central nervous system. Um, every device um, on the network uh, needs you know great connectivity over Wi-Fi. Um, some need connectivity over Bluetooth. And even if you're um, connected over Zigbee or Z-Wave, at the end of the day, um, you need to have a uh, a connection to the internet, and so all of that um, needs to flow through your network. And and so you know, at least the way we approach it is, um, you know, our our core mission is to make sure that not only do you have the the, the best coverage possible, but you also um, have the best experience with as many devices as possible. And so um, part of the part of the magic of Eero is um, we push software updates out at a very regular cadence, almost weekly. Um, and so every time new devices come onto our networks uh, and we talk to customers and improve experiences for, you know, for device A or device B, um, we're able to tune our software and tune the experience and then quickly deploy it to every single customer. Um, and, uh, and, and that's been, you know, a really exciting part about, you know, being in the market and having um, so many excited customers is, um, we keep learning about you know how to improve connectivity in people's homes and make all these like core experiences work just uh, much more seamlessly. And can that take the path at some point maybe where you would integrate some sort of like some of the protocols or some of the like even some of the the kind of the standard space software whether that's uh, you know uh, like a like a thread stack or weave or something like that. I mean it seems like you know I've re- I've been talking about and writing about. This, the router becoming the hub or that kind of that coming together. Have you guys given thought about maybe integrating some of that, that technology into the, the hub? Yeah. I think just in general, um, like if you look at the number of devices in people's homes, the vast majority of them talk Wi-Fi um, or Bluetooth. Um, and, and so we've been pretty focused on those class of devices. Um, you know, that being said, um, it'll be interesting to see how things evolve Um uh, and, uh, you know, we've got a pretty, you know, great vantage point in that, um, we're providing the core connectivity regardless of the, um, connection type. Again, if you have a, you know, a, a Zigbee or Z-Wave, uh, bridge or hub, um, it still has to get connected to the internet. Um, and, uh, it, it, so we're, you know, taking customer feedback and, and learning from the market to understand, you know, what, what features and experiences, um, people really, really care about in their homes. Now, you guys uh, in May uh, announced that you'd raised $50 million and you're moving into Best Buy. Um, that's kind of where you are now. Let's talk about the backstory, though. Well, you know, Tell me about the original concept and how this company came together. Yeah, so uh, the company got started in the beginning of 2014. 
Um, and, uh, and really it was, you know, born out of my, my own frustration for setting up and configuring networks for my friends and family. Um, you know, I essentially ended up being the, like the IT admin for everyone who had my, um, phone number. And the number one question people would come to me with or problem would be, you know, the internet's broken. How do I get things to work? Um, and, you know, now that we've gotten to this era where our internet connections are so much faster and more reliable, the limiting factor was really people's home networks. Um, and, and so I, you know, would pull together pretty expensive, like custom gear, uh, but it was really hard to manage. It was easy. It was, it was really challenging to update um, and, uh, and, and none of the, um, solutions out there were particularly elegant. You know, one thing I ended up doing like for my parents was, uh, you know, they called me with issues and I basically wired up the whole network to one red surge protector. So if there are problems, they're able to like walk into the closet, hit the big red button, wait a minute, turn it back on. And usually that fixed things. Um, but that's pretty inelegant, um, especially as the internet continues to run more and more of our homes. Um, so in the beginning of 2014, um, pulled together a team with, with my two co-founders and, uh, you know, we got off to the races, um, building the, you know, the home Wi-Fi system that people have in their homes today. Yeah. You, uh, I, when I, I'm kind of the IT manager too, I just tell them to reboot the router and that's where I stop. You went you go and build a company, which is like, you have a little more energy than me apparently, but <laughs> so, uh, but you, you, you brought those guys together. Did you guys work together previously or what was your, what was your background before Euro? Yeah, um, so we, uh, my, my co-founders, Nate and Amos, um, were both classmates of mine um, at Stanford. Um, and so Amos studied, you know, distributed systems. So, um, you know, he's managed all of our cloud and data infrastructure. Um, and then Nate uh, focused on networking and security. Um, and so he runs our hardware and embedded software teams. Um, you know, and then from, you know, from there, uh, we built a great team with, you know, folks from, Google and Apple and uh, Twitter and among um, a whole host of others um, who, who are all really excited to, you know, fix this connectivity problem um, in people's homes. I think Mark Siegel invested. He was one of the early Dropcam uh, funders. Uh, that's a good background. Mike Volpe as well. I think he actually comes from – is he come from the Cisco side? That's – I think at one point that's where he came from, right? Yeah. Um, so Mark, uh, Mark led the Series B and Dropcam and was on their board. Um, he's a he's a um, great investor. Um, before Eero, I I, I used to be um, on the investment team at, at Menlo Ventures and had an opportunity to work really closely with Mark there. Um, and then yeah, Mike um, Mike also um, played a big role in this recent round. And um, you know he had a long career at, at Cisco um, and and has been a really active. Uh, investor in hardware, um, you know, one noteworthy company is uh, Sonos. Oh yeah, I think he's also the CEO of that that company called Juiced at one point, J O S T. So yeah, some interesting names backing you, and and uh, sounds like on your board. But uh, I appreciate you spending time and tell me a little bit about what you guys are doing. I think uh, Wi-Fi is actually exciting again in the home. <laughs> well, uh, it's uh, music to my ears. Um, it's been a uh, it's been a really really fun ride here. Um, and, uh, you know, overall customers really love the product. Um, we're at, you know, four and a half plus stars at, um, at Amazon. Um, and, uh, we keep getting, you know, great feedback, um, from people and the, and the product keeps evolving as well. So, um, there's a lot more exciting stuff to come. And I think, and I think pricing wise, you, you, the bundle, the three pack is 500, a single arrow is 199. 
and uh, they can find you at Amazon, but they they can go to your website. You're at Eero.com, E-E-R-O.com, right? Yep. So we're available for sale at Eero.com, Amazon.com, uh, BestBuy.com, and we'll be um, rolling out um, in Best Buy stores this summer. Hey, Nick, thanks for spending time with me. Thanks for having me. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Nick Weaver. I thought it was a good one. To get the latest and greatest what's going on in Wi-Fi in the home, you can find out more about Eero at Eero.com, E-E-R-O.com. Check them out. Stay tuned for more podcasts coming up fairly soon, folks. Hopefully, we will have one tomorrow with a preview of what we'll see at Apple's Big Developers event. I probably will talk a little bit more about the visual interface there, but also maybe what's going on with HomeKit, etc. Uh, so hopefully, we'll get that out. All right, that's it for now. Talk to you soon. <laughs>